get recording. We are speaking with the one and only Tag from the band The Treatment. New album called Waiting for Good Luck comes out April 9th, 2021 on everybody's favorite label, Frontiers. And as we say here in Montreal, bonjour, Tag. How are you? <laughs> bonjour, monsieur. <laughs> bonjour. Bonjour, yeah. yeah. Good. Early good. morning interviews are so much fun, right? <laughs> well, it's okay because it's early for you. But for me, I've, you know, I've had a couple of hours to get up and I only had to get up for midday, so it's all good. <laughs> I like this time zone change. <laughs> yeah, you like the time zone change, yeah. yeah. Oh, God, it's, it's funny because I've done interviews with, with uh, artists in Australia and it's like, well, you need to get on the phone at 7 a.m. And you're like, what? No, no, I don't need to do that. <laughs> but here we are. No one needs to do that, man. That time shouldn't exist. I'm telling you, there should be a clock. 12 midday to 12 midnight, and there's nothing outside of that. Yeah. Now, uh, the Treatment, by the way, is a band that I know and love. I mean, I don't know if you can see them, but I've got these old CDs going back from... God, You've got a recollection there, man. 2012. That is a real rare one. <laughs> 2012, and, well, they're all, they all say 2012 on them. So it's it's been a while. I've, I've, I have followed the band for, for many years. I think part of it was because you opened for Kiss back in 2012, and we, everybody went... Well, who's this treatment opening up for the world's greatest band? Turns out well, you're one of the world's greatest bands. You <laughs> can't forget the old the crew on that tour as well. Because we had a bit of a slot opening up because it was Kiss and Crew. I mean, you know, it was a double headliner. Oh, that's right. So that's it was right. a hell of a build to, you know, to get that opening slot. And uh, for us, it was amazing. It was hard work. We went out there. We, we had no crew, no nothing. We just had our manager, Laurie, and the guys in the band. And I remember turning up on the first day, and it must have been uh, probably 80 or 90 trucks, 30 or 40 tour buses, and we just had our one little bus and our little trailer. And I remember Lowell walked in, and he was like, well, how many, how many dudes do you need for the crew? He's like, we have no crew. <laughs> That's it. And um, we made the whole tour work, man. We did, I think it was, God, it was like near on 50 or 60 days, I think it was. And, um, yeah, we did the whole thing start to finish, no crew, just us and by the end it was amazing all the kiss guys the motley crew lot they were just helping us with everything they really really took us under their wing on that tour and so did the audience every crowd was so receptive it was it was brilliant and and, you know because with our half an hour annoying slot before the band you want to see and they really gave us a a real great chance and it was it was a mega tour for us to land let me ask you about that just real quick and then we'll get on to the album but that kind of tour do you buy on is it a, a favor is it that, that Doc McGee sees you and says, these guys are so incredible, we need to have them on? Because, I mean, there, there, is, there is the business side of it. So, so how did you get on that? Because think, that's a slot that everybody wants. Yeah, so it, there's a couple of questions. And the first one is the, the buy-on idea is something that the treatment has never... And I remember there was, there was some rumor going on that we paid £50,000. I don't know if you can see, but these two, this is all I own in my life. I don't have a car, a nice house. This is my life. None of us have got £50,000 to whip out of our pocket to buy on. It's something we've never agreed to. And we've been offered it before and we've turned it down every time because we believe that no band should ever have to buy on to a show. It's hard enough. I agree. I agree. And and fans are going to be surprised at how dirty the business is. Yeah, exactly. And and let alone the headline artist turning around to the support band who's the struggling one and charging them money. So that's something we've never agreed with and we'll never do. And we will never, when we hit it and we're on the big time, we will never, ever hear of that. You know, we, something we will never do. So the way it happened for us, I think, was Nicky Six, he had his uh, side, you know, side project 6AM. I think it's 6AM. Um, and they had a song, I think, called This May Hurt or one of their albums. 
so we're guessing he probably found the band through the link of because our first album was this might hurt and he obviously had the track this may hurt i think he found that because he got in touch with us and he said he really liked the band yada 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 later on a few steps down the line um it turned out uh, we also had a laurie was in partnership with a guy called oh what is his name larry off the top of my head i can't remember he used to manage kiss and he was friends. oh the, uh, uh larry, larry mazer that's the one larry mazer yeah and he had the connection through there and yeah basically they just invited us on the tour it was amazing we were on the way back from a steel panther show and uh we were someone was checking on twitter and then all of a sudden nikki six had posted all of the uh the tour stuff saying oh the treatment is supporting you and we we hadn't even kind of really agreed it yet we were just like well let's say we're going to america then that's <laughs> and then it was quickly find a visa find some tickets and we're on our way that's kind of funny um, and by the way i actually was... spoke to larry mazer this week believe it or not oh really is he doing well he's doing very well uh buck cherry is uh, planning a tour of canada and, and he had a couple of questions for me so i actually spoke oh. to larry this week oh great that's strange you said about buck cherry because we actually the last tour we did right before um the whole kind of world went a bit crazy was buck cherry tour we had just finished up with him in the uk um, right before it was just before Christmas. Oh, well, you see, well, they're, they they are back with a with a fantastic. By the way, your yeah, album, uh, album "Waiting for Good Luck" is fantastic, and I've heard their new album, which is coming out in June or July. It's fantastic. So maybe you have to do it again. The uh, the the treatment I, Buck Cherry reunion tour or whatever. That we should do in like part two from pre Corona to post Corona. You know, yeah, bookend Coronas. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's get to the, uh, the the treatment waiting for uh, for good luck. Uh, talk to me about putting t- together this album because this one there there seems to be like an urgency to it. You you turn it on, you got Rat Race, and it punches you in the face, and then it just it just keeps punching you until the last song. I mean, you you went full rock on this. I think so. We had um, it it was a bit of a strange time for us because we we had our our bass player Rick. He no, he just decided that he didn't want to do music anymore. And, you know, it's been, it's, he's done, he's paid his dues. He's been in the band over 10 years. And I just think he decided he wanted to move on. Um, but this was right before the the whole kind of coronavirus kicked off. So we were then left in a bit of an awkward situation that we couldn't really look for anyone new. Um, but we had all this time on our hands because none of us could leave the house. So we were like, well, let's make do with what we can do. Um and then we just started. So, I mean, the whole kind of album formed over this period of not being able to leave. And I think the urgency was just this, we're five guys who we don't know what the hell's happening in the world. And everything we've worked up towards and, you know, spent our whole lives dedicated to being in the band and learning our trade and craft was all of a sudden taken away like that. It was like, actually, there's no future. And... I don't know, Is what do you do? Do you give up or no? You just you fight back twice as hard. And I think that the whole kind of anger in that album was just because we were stuck, man. We wanted to get out, wanted to find a new bass player. We wanted to get on with life. Um, and that was definitely captured. And, and the, the big difference on this record was we recorded it live. The other albums have not been done on that kind of in that way. And that made a huge difference. And we were only able to do that because we had so much time to sit there and actually craft the songs. So when you say there, it's recorded live, is it you're, you, like literally like four guys on the floor and you pl- or five guys on the floor, you plug in and you just record what's going on? 
you know what you 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 were correct there with the four guys right so the oh because the there was no bass player at the time there was no bass player so we actually had so laurie mansworth so dan's dad who's also our producer he has been there since day one and he knows the band inside out he's really a sixth member of the band he's an amazing amazing man and when rick left we were in a bit of a tight situation and so he actually played guitar on the record along with me and my brother teo hopped on the bass and because we had this connection and bond because i mean he's he's known me since i've been when i moved down to cambridge i was 16 you know what i mean he's been through every moment with me and we have this connection together so we hopped in and and that moment when we stepped into rockfield to record it it was just the four of us creating this magic of being locked in a cabin for like four months man and we were finally we were out we're in the studio that was this magic that was captured there and that i think is when you hear that rawness in a band like something you put on your favorite live album or your favorite record you're like why is there that rawness and energy that is what we captured for the first time really in though us four people in in rockfield in that one moment we captured like four days of pure magic i mean we tracked the whole album in four days we actually finished about three and a half. Wow. Well, by the way, that's the way it should be. You, you go worked. back to the early uh, Sabbath and all that. They're like, it was done in nine hours. And it's like, yeah, and 50 years later, we still love it. Go figure. <laughs> exactly. So that was that 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 was the, the magic we captured there. And then the vocals were then done later um, at Laurie's studio here in Cambridge. So it was quite nice to be able to have the time to sort of spend doing that. But the actual essence of the band was captured on in those three and a half days of just, and it was, there were no edits. It wasn't like we'll take one bass bit from here. It was just like, man, you play it right, and there's not a choice to play it wrong because we haven't ah. got the money. So, so wrong. no comps, no nothing. It's just, it's no just comps. straight. Was, it, the first, the first time ever it is every, all the rhythm tracks and the backing of the band is what what was recorded that day is exactly what you hear. So let me and ask you'll you. Probably, if, if you pull it apart, you hear like snide notes here and there. But so there, so there are fun. mistakes because you know, listen. When you Absolutely. listen to those early Kiss albums, those early Sabbath, there's out of tune, there's out of time, there's all kinds of shit going on, and you go, yeah, but that's what makes it great. So yeah, but exactly. But you know, when you're on the other side of it and you hear it back, and you're like, oh my god, it's out of tune there, and you're like, can I change it? And we're like, no, 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 don't touch it. And you're like, no, no, please, please, please. But we had exactly the same thing, and it was absolutely as is. So you'll hear, you'll hear the the realness and the rawness of the band there because it is real. No, so that explains it because I listened to it and uh, more than once. I mean, I, I, they sent me a stream and I've heard it four or five times and I put it on and, you know, normally you'll listen to 30 seconds and you go, oh, uh, all right, I got it. What a, now let's do the interview. But I listened to the whole thing because it just, it sucks you in. And I guess it sucks you in because it's it's like a live show. It's it's just, there's, what do you, there's, a, there's an energy and there's a magic to it, which I think, has been um, cleaned out of too many rock albums because now they they mm, pro tools it to death, they auto tune it to death, and there's 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 no there's no vibe anymore. But this one's got full vibe, so that that explains that, it. That's hundred percent what we tried to capture on it, and um, yeah, it it's it's a real hard one, but it's that moment of like, and with the guitars as well, there was no there's no extra guitars on there. You have literally the guitar on the right and the guitar on the left. There's a few tracks that had a few extra overdubs, but it really is just the instruments wow. you would picture in the band is and you've got and you've got because... uh you said danny's dad playing on it so it's so, so it's like dad rock. yeah oh, it's beautiful well, it's da- dad rock it, i love saying dad rock. <laughs> <laughs> he has a whole history of his own 
<laughs> so go back. He was part of the new wave of British heavy metal in a band called More. So oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, he then went on to form a band called Air Race. I know Air Race. Yeah, yeah man. Oh, I didn't know that there was the, all those connections. That's actually... Yeah, oh. so you see this whole like world history, and that, that's why like so everything I know, you know, I've ah. learned through through this, you know, everything that he's learned through the 80s and 90s, and he, it, it's just this giant, just amazingness board, just like energy, and yes. Oh, so, so it's not like the lorry driver just picked up a guitar and played with his son. It's, it's, no, it certainly <laughs> isn't. Oh, well... <laughs> There's plenty of rock history there. Well, yeah. But that's... that's Dan got into drums, you know, and Laurie kind of, he, you know, when Dan said he wanted to put a band together, he went to his dad and, you know, that's how the two of them started the treatment. Oh, that's, that's, that's really cool. All right. So, um, the album is called, of course, Waiting for Good Luck. And, 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 and I say this respectfully, but I sort of get the sense that the, the band is waiting for good luck in the sense of how do we get to that next level and we become an arena act. What are some of the frustrations you've had you know you, you've been the opening slot for 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 motley you've been the opening slot for kiss but how do we get to that next level where somebody in america turns on the radio and they go oh yes that treatment band i love everything they've done i see i think we've we've had a few lineup changes which has yes has has been a mega impact on the band right and i think it, you know a lot of people they kind of they do slate us and it's kind of like look this this isn't rock and roll in the 1980s anymore. This is rock and roll in 2020. There's not a lot, great deal of money. You really, if you want to do it, you've got to do it because you love it and you, you're going to give up everything else in your life because it, you, you know, we're not making money. You know, we, we are really, everything that comes into the band goes back into the band to staying out on the road, buying an occasional Les Paul, doing whatever we can. And so it, it isn't for the faint-hearted and it isn't for everyone. And that's the problem that I think we've had some people along the way who haven't been able to hack that. And so it really, and it shakes the band a little bit every time someone leaves. And well, it does, I wouldn't say it really shakes us, but it, it adds, you know, it it's improved time. the band. Let, let's be yeah. honest. It's improved the I, band. <laughs> I think where we're at now, we'd have, we'd have never been able to step to the next level with the characters we had. Who is in the band now? The, this is the treatment as it should be. As it should be. And I think now, and with with this new record, we've we've recorded it the way it should have always been recorded. But you know, we we're all learning as well as we go along here. So well, that I think is a huge part of it. And I, I think as well, we've we've finally found the the sound like what, what is the treatment. You know, it's taken a few sort of ways here and there. But um, that's why I think we haven't stepped up to the arena size yet. You know? Right. Well, let me just quickly ask you about the vocal changes. Matt leaves, Mitch uh, or Mitchell leaves. Uh, bands, you know, are identified a lot by the vocalist. You think of Aerosmith, mm. you think of Steven Tyler. You think of whatever, yeah. you know, Iron Maiden, you think of Bruce Dickinson. Or you know, some people think of Paul, but most people think of Bruce. Uh, how, how has that impacted the band? Because getting a new voice does change the sound of the band and so are are you you know happy with tom is he is he the right vocalist where the other one's not or is it just hey it's just us developing to getting to where we are today well anyone who says he sounds like bon i mean when i hear that i just go that's cool because yeah. <laughs> that is what i want um i think you can tell the change because you can hear that i think you can hear the change in generation me to 
to maybe what was before running with the dogs or now you know uh power crazy or even what's going to be waiting for good luck or even one of these great eps that we have here yeah yeah yeah, man (laughs) you know you can tell the change through each each vocalist um and i think with tom we've found that perfect sound i think he's much closer to the original sound of this might hurt um of that kind of raspy vocals mitch had brought a different element to the band and i think it was like don't get me wrong i absolutely i think some of the some of the songs on generation me are some of our best songs. i think let it begin is probably for me one of the greatest riffs we've got but it definitely brought a slight change um in the, in the way the album sounded and i think we're going much closer to our roots on this last album so I, i'm i'm really excited to see what the fans are going to think and and to see what people think about it as i think we've finally got to that point that it's the band has gelled and we've found our sound well, the band, the, the fans are going to love this album. And, and if you're not a fan of the band and you just like good rock music, go check it out. I mean, it, it's terrific. In in terms of sort of bringing it all together, do, do you think perhaps that maybe a live record is something that you might want to consider and get Tom doing, you know, uh, Shake Mountain and Departed and all that stuff and, and saying, <laughs> all right, let's go. It's been absolutely on the cards, and you know what's a real shame is because it you was can't play live. <laughs> no, well that's the other side problem. It, it was actually on the cards for because we had um we had, I mean pretty much the whole summer was booked out for us. We were doing loads of shows, and we were actually we were going to do a cruise in um in Sweden, I think. And the plan was was to do a live show, so it's hundred percent it's on the cards, but um. Yeah, I mean, we've we got to dust off our chops, man, because we haven't played as a band in a long time now. And we've got a new guy to, you know, kind of break into the ranks. So, but it is, that's definitely something on on the cards. Wow. And it's something we wanted to do for a long time. And, and I think now, since doing Rockfield, we've proved that it can be done. So, yeah. So, and, and by the way, if the new guy doesn't work out, just bring in dad. You're good. You're good with dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you can put on the on the marquee treatment featuring Dad from Ares. It's it's yeah, it's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> you have one of, you know, you've got to have some experience in the uh, in the camp, you know. Play, play some new wave of British heavy metal for them. Uh, so okay, so the, the live shows. The UK right now is thinking by June twenty first will be open, um, right? I mean that's that's what was announced mm. recently. Are, are you hopeful that that's going to happen? And do you see yourself playing this year or, or is 2021 just another wipeout and you just go, ugh, fuck. It's, uh, you know, we've had, honestly, in the last, I mean, how long ago did he announce it? Two days ago? And we've already had, we've had so many requests come in from promoters and venues, which has been amazing. I think we've got a, I, I think June 21st has been slightly sceptical because I think every time we've had these kind of dates before, it has taken longer than planned. Well, but listen. I, I think things... Mm. Sorry, sorry yeah. to cut you off, but March of uh, 2020, they said we're taking a two-week pause to flatten the curve. So exactly. we're, we're celebrating <laughs> one year of the two later. weeks. So, well, I remember, you know, oh yeah, plan your Christmas, and no, no, we'll do Christmas at Easter. <laughs> so it's okay, all right. But I think towards the end of the year, things will start kind of coming back to normality. I don't know which shows how long it'll take, and I think you know we've still got a, a public that's a bit scared. So I think everyone's going to need to be vaccinated till anyone feels comfortable being back in an arena or you know even a even a hot sweaty club because that's the problem we love rock and roll and we love it when it's just packed and there's it's packed with people but that's kind of not an option at the moment so i think until the public feels cool and the vaccinations are fully being completely rolled out then then we'll see normality again and then when that happens i think the music scene will take off 
I think so many people have been deprived of live music. And I think we've all realized in this time that live music is actually so important, socializing with people and going to gigs and just, you know, that, that is such a huge part of life that I think sometimes we maybe overlook. Well, just the, also for the economy. I mean, every time you go to a gig, you usually stop at a restaurant before you pay for parking. There, there's a whole economy that's worth mm. billions of dollars worldwide. Absolutely. And and it's it's been wiped off the books. Let me ask you about the uh, quickly about UK, UK clubs in Canada. They're talking about eight out of 10 clubs are going to close 80 percent. You know, you try to route a tour when 80 percent of the clubs have closed. Good luck. Uh, is it that dire in the UK for, as we speak here, you know, beginning of um, March? So I'm not going to lie to you. I haven't watched the news in a long time. I find it really, really negative. So to, to stay out of that space, I turn the TV off. But from what I've heard, it's it's quite bad. We've had a, a lot of people, um, a lot of people saying they, they've they've been in trouble but a lot it, it's it's quite amazing a lot of um, crowdfunders have been started here as well so i think a lot of the venues will be saved i think a lot are going to struggle and it depends how long it takes for the moment they open whether it goes you know the uh, social distance gigs or whether it goes straight back into full-time concerts so I, I don't know if, you know they haven't really laid out that clearly what the plans are for later on in that part um but i think you know you you have to kind of look on the positive that, that people are always going to want to go and see gigs right so if you've got that market there, you're going to need to have venues. So whether we lose some old ones and some new ones open, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's I hope that, you know, that the individual venue comes back a bit more because the large corporately owned venues are very similar. Like everywhere you go is exactly the same and you're not really treated that well. When you go to the small individually owned venues, they're the ones that have got all the character. You know, you may only be able to fit 100 people in it. But there's so much character in those small places. And that's what I think maybe we're missing a little bit in our music scene. That might be regenerated by this whole new birth of you I'm know, hoping. wanting to see live music. So I, I think, yeah, there are some negatives, but I think there's also some great positives there. And, you know, like you say, with you know, where you are, if eight and ten are lost, but there's still going to be the market of people wanting to see gigs. So you're going to have to, you know, there will be people out there who will be buying up the old venues and it may just be a change of hands. And it, it does suck for, the, you know, some amazing promoters who have been there and supported bands. But let's hope, you know, that they get the crowd funds that they need and, and that new venues open and maybe it just gives a whole new lease of life. Yeah, well, listen, uh, I'm looking for what they call a, a renewal, right? A, a renewal of everything. Cause yeah. the, the, the scene did get a little bit. This scene has become a bit stale, and I think yeah. this whole thing is you know, completely shaking it up. And you know, it, it, a lot of a lot, it, it's really kind of forced the bands that really want to make music because they want to make music, not for the money, but because they actually all they do is make music. That has been all that's come out in this time. Do you know what I mean? So it really is kind of changing for the artists as well. Like they're putting out, you know, it's really the, the people who actually love music are there at the forefront, leading it, and I think that's great because that's how it should be. No, it's not about the money or anything. It's about the music. I agree. Uh, let me just get back to the music, waiting for good luck. Uh, you told me just before that you hadn't heard it in about a month. Is this an album that was done in 2019 and 2020 and was supposed to come out and then you held it? Or sort of what's the story in terms of the timeline of when this was recorded and when was it supposed to originally come out? So the timeline for it was, I'm trying to think. So we went into the lockdown in in March March 2020, uh, which is around a similar time when Rick left. Uh, and we actually, we, we struck a bit of luck because one of our friends actually owned a nightclub <clears throat> and he gave us the keys 
so we were actually able to use and it was just down the road to us so we were able to use a fully sound isolated building to play as loud as we wanted for as many hours a day so it was great so we actually had pretty much a studio to rehearse in um for it was about four months i think because we we did every day honestly it was so hot and so sweaty but it was just sitting in that room playing and rehearsing and getting the songs together there so the moment we got out of lockdown which i think if i remember was was it june or was it may here i don't know i'm asking you as if you know <laughs> it was it was probably may because uh, I think it was may, june. you know and in, in quebec was... they in may it's like oh summer's coming it'll be fine i remember the the, the heat will kill covid yeah, sure, the oh, heat will kill COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Thank God it, it killed COVID for a good month, which is great. So we actually managed to get the moment lockdown lifted, Rockfield had a few days available and they only had four days. Um, and I remember Lowell came to us and he was just like, look, boys, this is our moment. Let's go. And that was it. We honestly, within like a couple of days, we've just packed up the van, went straight to Rockfield, got that done. And so once that was then tracked there then the work on the vocals and uh the solos came after that which was great because we hadn't actually had tom around because tom doesn't live with us so obviously before that there would be no chance to do any of the vocals so once the, the album was tracked then the vocals were then done at laurie's studio because he owns his own production studio here in cambridge which is amazing so all of that was done here once that was done, then it was sent off to Kevin Shirley, who mixed it. And I think we got most of it back. I think it was around October and November. And I think the plan was to probably get the album out slightly earlier than what the release date was. But by that time, we knew that the, the you know the, the lockdowns were going to be put back in for the next year. So the uh, we settled on April. And to be fair, it worked out really well. You know, having the single come out like straight after Christmas, boom. Then we've got the next one. We've got the um, we've got Wrong Way, which is another single coming out on the fourth of March. So that's coming out. And it's just leading us really nicely into kind of good space. And then by April is I think our album comes out three or four days before anyone can go into a garden and have a beer now. So we've got that we're going to catch those last few people on the day, and then we can go out and celebrate after the album comes out. So it's, the, the timeline has worked out almost perfectly, really. Yeah. But it, it's been a long, long wait for us, and it's kind of one of those things when you get the the masters back. You get them on the hard drive and then you lock them away because that is gold dust. <laughs> you don't want that going out. And so you hear it and then you actually, after that, you don't listen to your, your own stuff until, until the release of the album. Until you have to rehearse it. But what, what I take away from that the most is that the lead singer gets his own place and the band has to live all together. That, that's perfect. That's the way it should be. <laughs> absolutely i'm glad you understand <laughs> you know the lsd is real right, that, that's right the, the lead singer disease is real it, it's like it's like well his ego no his ego no, no that, that's kind of funny causes more problems in the room than not being in the room so the best thing is stay out <laughs> stay out of the room come in when you need it uh well uh, let me just end on this uh, so you go through mitch you go through matt how does tom come into the picture is it rehearsal is it like hey mate we know somebody who's real good Sorry for the accent, you know, uh, but how, how do you how did you get Tom? Because he's got a great voice. I mean, this album, again, Waiting for Good Luck, is is just perfect from start to start to finish. The the voice, the bass, the drums, the dad, everything just is, is perfect. Um, well, I mean, thanks again for that, man. We really, you know, that means so, so much because it's, it's been a lot of hard work to get to that point And to hear that back is just it's just it's awesome man it really is it kind of it makes it every moment of that worth it 
Um, but in terms of going back to Tom, like it is Dan. Dan has this. So Dan's our drummer, Danny, um, and he has this sick way of finding talent. I don't know how he every singer he's always found on YouTube or through someone's Facebook or MySpace or something. And MySpace, um, man's old school. Look yeah, at that. MySpace was back early in the early days. You know what I mean? I mean now we're you know we're TikTok. Does he use his AOL account to reach out to them? Is that what is that what he's doing? We don't even have email, man. What do you want about? What is email? He sends him a letter <laughs> with a yeah, exactly. <laughs> he writes it out with a with a feathered um, pen. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, um, so, but but where do you get Tom yeah. from? And Tom, we was, I think Dan found him on a, it's on a YouTube video. Actually, he was in um he was in another band, and um we just we just messaged him. It turns out he was actually a fan of the treatment. He had like he'd heard a lot of the material, and I think he was kind of almost a bit blown away when we first messaged him and didn't kind of really realize it was real. And then yeah, we we got him down, and he Tom lived with us for a while. Um, but I think Tom's he's quite a weird character. He kind of needs a lot more of his own space. Like we really we gel as a band, and it, you know everyone lives here. Um, and that that kind of works because you know with the music side of things he doesn't need to be here all the time. And you know when when we get ready for a tour, then he'll come down and he'll stay for a few weeks and we'll rehearse everything up. Um, but yeah, it's also easy. You know, he's from Guildford and he he's got his whole family there, so I think that kind of worked out better for him. And um, yeah, I mean to be honest, if he'd been locked in with us, he'd have driven us around the bend. So it's probably all for the better. That's all right. When you go on tour, he'll get his own bus and his own dressing room. It'll be perfect. No, no, no. no. That's something we've never agreed to. And there will never be that moment that he walks out on stage after us. (laughs) The whole band comes out once and we leave in one bus and we come in one bus. Perfect. Well, uh, waiting for good luck, folks. Uh, April 9th uh, from Frontiers. Interview us in another 20 20 years and then I'll tell you whether we're still on the same wavelength. Yeah, we'll be like, so where did you pick up the seventh singer? Where, Where? Yeah. The 20th singer, man. <laughs> well, we, we had a concept. One album, one singer. We wanted to just... <laughs> yeah. It didn't work out so well. We got two singers per album. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're Linkin Park now, for crying yeah, out loud. Exactly. Oh, my Lord. But you know what? Listen, I, as you can see, I, I have the albums, and those are the ones that I had just here in the same room. The other ones are, are downstairs. But uh, great band. Uh, listen, I know when Mitchell came in, or Mitch... There was a big hullabaloo, and it's like, oh, this guy, and he was great. But Tom, on this album, Waiting for Good Luck, has, I think has surpassed it. I'm going to declare this your best album. That, that's what I'm doing. I'm declaring awesome, it this your man. best album. No, awesome. <laughs> the, the judges tap. Judge tap, yeah. yeah. Uh, get the gavel out. Waiting for Good Luck is it. Uh, and folks, uh, if you haven't checked out the band, uh, you're missing out. You must check out this band. You must pick up this album. You must see them live, hopefully in North America that, at some point. That you must, and yeah, yeah, we are, we are, we will be coming back. Don't worry. Oh, good. Well, tag. Uh, that's it. Thank you. Always yeah, a pleasure. A massive, massive pleasure. Thank you, dude. Absolutely. And anytime uh, you want to do something, let's uh, let's let's hook it up because I'm more than happy to support. I have supported that you uh, financially by paying for these CDs, uh, and uh, I'm going to keep supporting. Right. Can't ask for more than that. Mega appreciate it, and thank you for everyone listening. Thank you, sir. Cheers. As we say in Montreal, uh, bonsoir. (laughs) Au revoir. (laughs) Au revoir.